Howdy, folks. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner non-stop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Hollywood, 1939. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcasts with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey, just one of your hosts, and this is episode number 28 of the WDW Reflections podcast. We thank y'all for being here with us. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future episodes. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. And, uh, Ron, coming from Cleveland, Tennessee, or are you traveling again? I am in Cleveland, Tennessee today. Oh, okay. And, um, looking forward to talk with you guys and our guests, of course. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, too. And then, Tony, you're like me. You never leave the house. You are still in the Big Apple, yes? I certainly am. I certainly am. Ready and raring to go with today's uh Big, really, really big shoe. Really big shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Only old people know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, I think that's it. That's all the uh, the greetings and the welcomes and the hi, how are yous. Let's get started. So, Tony, are you ready to take us on a journey through um, a, a now extinct attraction? Are you ready to take on over? Let's go. All right. It's all yours, buddy. All right, guys. Today, we're going to look back on a Walt Disney World attraction that was not only a favorite of mine, but it was also the kind of ride that, even though it no longer exists, as Dewey just said, it still commands a pretty huge fan base. It was one of the first rides that I ever went on during my first trip to Disney World back in 1991. And ironically, it was one of the last ones that I got to ride before the seven-year period between visits in early 2020. So we hope that you'll join us as we reflect on memories stemming back to the old Disney MGM Studios days as we take a look back at our personal memories of the great movie ride. The Great Movie Ride was an opening day attraction at Disney's MGM Studios, premiering along with the park on May 1st, 1989. 
It was an interactive tour ride which set off from an old-time Hollywood soundstage and placed us right in the middle of the action of some of the greatest Hollywood movies ever made. Now every great movie has a great backstory, and this attraction was no different. So let's rewind a bit to the beginning and take a quick look at the history of the ride. Legend has it that the story began in the mid-1980s when the park had been under the leadership of Michael Eisner and Frank Wells. Shortly after joining the company, this dynamic duo discovered that a team of Imagineers had already been planning a new pavilion for Future World in Epcot Center which would focus on the world of movies and Hollywood itself. They conceived of a ride-through of great moments from classic movies, which in the 1980s were identified by movies like Casablanca and The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. The attraction began life as great moments at the movies, and according to author Jeff Curdy in the book Since the World Began, legendary Disney animator Ward Kimball had already even started working on a side attraction called Mickey's Movie Land, which would portray a comic behind-the-scenes history of early Mickey Mouse cartoons and of animatronic form, a theme that the company would revisit over 30 years later with the ride that would eventually replace the great movie ride, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Supposedly spurred on by a presentation of plans for rival company Universal Studios to create a theme park based entirely on their own movie projects, Michael Eisner decided that the concept was too grand for a pavilion and oversaw the creation of Disney's third theme park, Disney MGM Studios. Within months, Imagineers had developed a park design including sound stages, stunt shows, and a tour of a movie lot, the last of which already existed in California with the behind-the-scenes Universal Studios tour. Great moments at the movies not only inspired the creation of a third theme park at Walt Disney World, it also sparked the idea of utilizing state-of-the-art audio animatronics to recreate not only realistic movie locations and scenes, but actual likenesses of famous movie stars that would move realistically and speak their well-known movie lines in front of a constant stream of live audiences. Racing to obtain rights to use films and actor images from classic movies of the early 20th century, Michael Eisner eventually obtained them from the famed Metro-Golden-Mayer Studios, and thus the Disney MGM Studios was born. I do know, I like that story about Michael Eisner, and he was working uh, at Paramount before, he was the president of Paramount before he moved over to Disney, and the, the story goes that he was involved in a meeting yes that uh that uh, was a had talked about universal going to build a uh the ride the movies park similar to what they had out in hollywood they were going to build one there in uh, central florida so eisner when he moved over to disney a short time later he was like hey i've got a great idea <laughs> <laughs> and uh, their goal was to have it finished built and opened for the public uh before universal had a chance to get theirs open which they actually uh, achieved they got it open before universal so that's uh, i love that story i mean michael eisner was uh, a bit of an evil genius <laughs> Well, that original attraction that they were also planning for that Epcot Pavilion um, was going to be sponsored by, of all people, Sears and Robux. But 
then plans to to do that kind of fell through and instead coca-cola became the show's sponsor and they were able to create more of a movie connection because coke is really what you drink at, at the movie theater at, at that time um on a side story though during the same period and do you might be able to to fill in a little bit on this. The Disney company was in the midst of purchasing the rights to using Jim Henson's Muppets in their uh, park. They wanted to create a, a sort of a Muppet themed land that was gonna be part of, um, a prob presumably it was gonna be part of MGM Studios and it was likely gonna be the spot where that eventually became uh, Star Wars um, uh, Galaxy's Edge probably because that's right near where the current Muppet ride is. Uh, what they did was they started to develop two rides. One became what we know as Muppet Vision 3D, and the other was going to be Great Gonzo uh, uh, fe being featured in an attraction called the Great Muppet Movie Ride. And the attraction was going to feature those felt and furry Henson creations as uh, doing their little scenes from the movies from the past. And unfortunately, Jim Henson passed away shortly before that those plans could be finalized and the uh, the ride stuck with just being the Muppet Vision 3D, but the name itself stuck and the great moments of the movies became the great movie ride. And even though Disney eventually did buy, uh, did purchase the, the Muppets, uh, when Jim Henson was alive, he was ready to pass it on. And uh, so there were a lot of plans. And I mean, you're, it was going to be a, like a Muppet land, like you said, Tony. Uh, and it would have, you know, the shops would have had uh, props and gags and, you know, what you would expect from, from the Muppets. If the Muppets were to create their own uh, store or something. And uh, there were uh, some ideas for uh, more attractions. And there for a very short time, there was even a Muppets stage show yes. uh, that actually what did make it to the park so um there was going to be a very large muppet um, footprint there in the park and the the great movie muppet movie ride or whatever they were going to call it uh sounded really really cool and um i it, how cool would it have been if they had had both if they had, yeah. had the great movie ride and then you could get off of that and go see like a parody of the parody, the Muppets yeah. messed up. That would have been cool too. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that uh, Jim Henson passed away before that deal could go through. But luckily for us, they did have the the Muppets 3D. Uh, that was finalized. They had already been working on that, and it was almost finished. But the re the the sale of the Muppet Company. Uh, had not gone through so some of those other ideas uh, went away but uh, we did still get the great movie ride and I, I bet that's what you're going to tell us well i i am but i i just want to say on a side note we have to probably do a show about uh the history of mgm studios someday because there is a lot uh there are a lot of great stories behind the making of that park and and also what the attractions were like because now at this point everything that was there on opening day is gone yeah, uh, everything. I mean, the buildings are there, but that's about it. All right. Well, anyway, I didn't realize that, guys, that every yeah. opening day attraction at MGM is now gone. 
Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that that's to say that everything that was there opening day is gone, but there was only like five things there. Right. So <laughs> it's not still, like, it's, but yeah, I get it. But I mean, yeah. still some that's wow. Even yeah, the street atmosphere, uh, I don't even think exists anymore. Right. The, those are the, they, uh, they're starting doctors. to bring them back. There's a handful um back in the day there was probably 30 or 40 of them and you yeah. you could you almost couldn't walk down the street without bumping yeah. into one and now you you gotta just kind of sit down and wait for them to show up you know it's you you gotta look for them but back yeah. in the day it was really good you know what's kind of funny about that is that i remember in those days i was totally terrified about the idea of someone calling you out and making you part of the action I think in the, in the beginning there, there would be a director or something that would call you out of the audience and have you do something. I was terrified of that yet, you know, all these years later, I'm looking, if we go to, if I go to galaxy's edge, I want to be part of that action. I want a stormtrooper <laughs> interaction or something like that. Well, anyway, let's get back to the, the uh, great movie ride. Great moments yes. at the movies was renamed the great movie ride and was now to be housed in an accurate replica of the famed Hollywood movie house. Grauman's Chinese Theater. And if any of you have ever seen photos of the real one or have actually been there, um, you'll know that the Disney version of the theater, aside from the surrounding area, is a pretty good approximation of the real thing. I mean, I've been there and I will say that aside from the neighborhood, which the actual neighborhood is kind of seedy or was when I went to went to it, the, the building and the, uh, the facade is, is very, very, very um, accurate. And so the yeah, Disney, Tony, I had the opportunity to be in LA. You're right. I was CD when I was there. It's been yeah. several years and it amazed me that that, cause it's also the same place the Oscars are held and stuff. Yeah. I across from it. They, yeah. They've done a really good job of, of replicating that building. They did. And ironically, uh, I'm, uh, the El Capitan theater, which is where most of Disney's movies premiered in the day and i think they still do i think disney has a a, a presence there is literally right across the street from it and you would think that um that they uh would have gone with that but they went with the iconic uh, chinese theater because probably it, it it symbolizes the old hollywood that they were trying to recreate in disney mgm studios uh, the disney version even included replicas of the celebrity hand and footprints that are at the entrance to the actual theater the interior of the theater recreated the grand splendor of an old-time Hollywood movie house, and the queue itself, when it was busy, would lead you through a museum-worthy display of actual movie props, such as a carousel horse from Mary Poppins and the Dejaric chessboard from the original Star Wars movie. It was pretty neat to see those things as you were making your way through the line. The, conti- the queue would continue to wind itself through this museum, eventually leading into a movie theater, which which uh, actually was composed of aisles intended for moving the queue along rather than for uh, sitting and viewing the movies that were being shown. Uh, The screen was playing original movie trailers from most of the films that were represented on the ride itself. And it created a connection to what you'd be encountering inside even before you even boarded the attraction. The ride vehicles themselves were Omnimovers, which were similar to those in the Universe of Energy attraction at Epcot, uh, although they were a lot smaller and they were board two vehicles at a time, depending on the park capacity. And each vehicle would experience a distinct trip into the animatronic cinematic world beckoning ahead. And we'll get back to that when we actually go through the ride through. I'm just giving a, a quick history of what this is. And 
to move on through the quick history before we take a look at the ride. Disney's partnership with the MGM was actually brought to an end in 2008. I think it was a 20 year contract. And the ride itself was eventually changed in 2015, thanks to a new partnership formed with the cable channel known as Turner Classic Movies. And that change added a new pre-show and a post-show, which was also narrated by a TCM host, Robert Osborne. Now, the last time that I got to go on The Great Movie Ride was in 2013, so I did not get to see this redo of the ride. And did either of you ever go on, on that one? And do you remember anything particular about it? Uh, I did see it. And um, basically, the show didn't change none of the scenes or anything like that. Uh, the The only thing that was different is, um, would you say the, the guy from Turner Classic Movies, what was his name? Uh, Robert Osborne? Yeah, Robert Osborne. He was the host. So you heard the his voiceover through most of the of the ride. So in, instead of the the live person cast member that would ride the car with you and tell you about here singing in the rain and all that stuff, uh, it was Robert Osborne that did it. And then Robert Osborne's narration would pause when it was time for the cowboy scene or the gangster scene or whatever. And then the, the person in the vehicle would do that. But the, the large majority of the narration was done by Robert Osborne. And then at the very end, the, the montage or the, 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 all the clips of all the classic movies that you saw right before the, the ride was over was a, a, a collection of Turner, Turner classic movies. Uh, so the thing, so it was a lot of the same stuff. You could still see the, you know, Star Wars was in it and, you know, Tootsie and all that stuff. But it was, um, uh, you know, more geared toward movies that you could see on Turner Classic Movies. But besides that, it was pretty much the same. Ron, did you ever get to write it? When I, it I, no, I, I believe I wrote it. What year did it change? Sorry. 2015. No, then I, no, I did not get to write it after it was redone. Yeah, I don't blame you because that only lasted about two years because sadly on the 13th of August of 2017, the final ride through the movies took place as Disney had deemed the attraction to become too outdated, the animatronics were beginning to age, and the classic movies, if you think about it, had kind of become sort of old-fashioned. So instead of being refurbished, the ride was replaced by the immensely popular Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in early 2020, merely two weeks before the global pandemic shut the park down for four months. Now, uh, I know Dewey and I haven't been there since, but Ron, you got to ride Minnie, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I did. I did. And I, I, I think we. this is an instance where... Um, Dewey's statement of refresh, not replace. Refurbish, not replace. Yeah, refurbish, not replace would be greatly appreciated, even though Mickey and Minnie's Runaway is an incredible ride. I like it a lot. Um, there's some things that don't appeal to me, but it, it's I'd like it a lot. And But I would have rather them add and include both rides. Yeah, I totally agree. 
because if you think about it, the great movie ride was very unique. It was a dark ride, which featured twists and turns, if you think about it, because there was a live host who would get involved with the attraction. And, and uh, there was a storyline that was variable, which we'll get into in a bit. And it also featured some of the greatest audio animatronic recreations that Disney companies ever produced. So now that we got all that history aside, why don't we take a look at that experience through the ride right now? Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. So there's only one thing you can say to get this started, which, uh, of course, would be action. The Great Movie Ride technically began upon your entry to Disney MGM Studios. An old Hollywood phrase once stated that the show starts on the sidewalk. Disney Imagineers were able to make that saying come true upon entry into the park because visitors were immediately filled with the old Hollywood feel, particularly as they gazed down the facsimile of Hollywood Boulevard, which is the studio's version of Main Street, and saw the majestic sight of the Grauman's Chinese Theater at the head. Imagineers had utilized blueprints of the original building and built their facade to full scale. They also replicated the famed footprints and handprints in the cement surrounding the theater and filled them with the authentic prints and signatures of many celebrities from their own movies. And later, they would also host handprint ceremonies for visiting celebrities. I was actually there the day that James Doohan, who played Mr. Scott in Star Trek, imprinted his back in the 1990s. In later years, during Star Wars weekends, I witnessed the ceremony for actors Jeremy Bullock, who played Boba Fett, and uh, Warwick Davis, who played Wicket. And I do have a video of that, which can be seen on YouTube. It was always fun scouring the soundwalk for new names and characters. And in fact, on opening day, Mickey and Minnie had the honor of stepping into the cement to inaugurate the proceedings. I remember when the park opened, you know, it was 89, so and uh, of course, being a big Star Wars fan. So I really loved the uh, R2's uh, three wheels. Oh, yeah. It was R2-D2's three wheels were in his. And then 3PO, you could see it was the, you know. And what was cool was on C-3PO's tracks, uh, and this is me being a huge nerd and playing with the toys when I was a kid, the tracks that he left in the cement were exactly like the bottom of his, his foot footprint on the on the three and a quarter inch figure yeah you know, so I, I thought that that just blew me away i was like it looks just like the toy even the footprint <laughs> so yeah i really enjoyed the uh uh you know the handprints and footprints and all that stuff up there that was fun what about you ron did you look for anyone in particular not anyone in particular but i i'm just a fan of anything like that so we enjoyed looking at all of them and just seeing the artifacts too were was always fun to me as you would go through the queue so absolutely and speaking of that you know once you stepped inside the theater which had welcoming air conditioning air conditioning especially on those really really hot uh, florida days you were led through a replica of the chinese theater lobby which and it featured as i mentioned before authentic film memorabilia and props from lots of famous movies not just disney or mgm related i mean there were things i believe there were things there from things like star trek and and um 20th century fox movies that were not part of disney or mgm and they would rotate stuff too they would especially if they had something to promote they would probably stick it in there so that you get to see uh, oh yeah see that <laughs> 
the the queue led into this auditorium that had a large movie screen showing trailers with many of the movies that would be featured in the coming attraction and i always remember hoping to get stuck there so that i could watch the the trailer for indiana jones or for uh star wars on the big screen i always loved that part yeah because that was back in the day before you know we ever even thought we were going to have a uh uh, new trilogy or anything so and didn't know that they would be re-releasing them into uh the theaters again so really that was the only place that i at least i thought as a kid that i would ever get to see the star wars movies on the big screen again was wow. was in that theater so i'm i'm like you tony i didn't mind waiting in line for that one because i was like let's see star wars let's yeah. see star wars let's see star wars <laughs> From there, we were ushered into the main ride area where uh, we were met by two vehicles, which each seated about 20 to 25 people at once. And the cast members were dressed like old time movie house ushers and they'd guide us in and say, this is no ordinary tour because the great movie ride brings movies to life and puts you right in the middle of the action. I think I would have wanted to have done that when I was when I was young. <laughs> that would have been a fun uh, one of yeah. the fun places to work uh, like uh uh, well, definitely on this be one, because member. it not only puts you right in the middle of the action, the, the cast members got involved with the action, as, as I'll uh, mention very shortly. So taking the helm, they'd act as our tour guide through this magical journey. And with the sound of bells, a clapboard and action, we were off on a tour of some of the greatest movies ever made. So it starts off with a nod to the early days of motion picture past. The first scene was from 1933's Footlight Parade, and it featured a Busby Berkeley-style musical number, which originally featured many female chorus singers spinning around in a pyramid formation around a spouting waterfall, which was shaped like a multi-layer cake, and bubbles were floating around them and over the ride vehicle. Unfortunately, the spinning effect only lasted through the first few months of the attraction due to problems in the mechanics, and water issues caused lots of breakdowns. So eventually the dancers were made stationary. They, they kind of appeared like frozen mannequins still in formation. And, and much later, they were even hidden behind a, a, a screen of some sort, kind of hiding the fact that their big moment wasn't functioning as intended. Did you guys ever get to see it spin? I believe I did at the beginning, yes. I did too. I got to see it spin. It was pretty cool. I. I... I don't think I did. I don't remember seeing us then. Well, next up, we could hear the melodic warbles of movie star Gene Kelly, who was singing in the rain in a lifelike animations, animatronic scene from the film of the same name. The scene was often a favorite of mine as the character looked pretty lifelike and the imagery and music just melded perfectly there. It was, it was really a, a cool. I would always try to take a picture of that scene because it was just so, so amazing to be met by that. And I think, if I remember correctly, that was the first audio animatronic character that I had ever seen in person because the, um, the great movie ride, if it was not the first ride I ever rode on, it was definitely the second. We move on from the 1950s and head into the 1960s with a fantastic scene from Walt Disney's Mary Poppins, which featured uh, lifelike images of Dick Van Dyke as Bert and Julie Andrews as Mary floating around the rooftops of London while singing the Academy Award winning Sherman Brothers song, Chim Chim Cheree. I remember 
as a kid, I was always disappointed that that's the scene they chose. Like, you know, Mary Poppins, I love Mary Poppins, it's a great movie. But when I was a kid, I, I, it would just, you know, I don't know, just be running into my head about the what scenes I would have chose to put there. And it, I don't think it would have been the Chim Chim Tree because it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a downer, but it's a slow kind of song, you know? And for me, it would I would have... <clears throat> I would have had like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you know, <laughs> something like, you know, peppy and fast and fun. And I just felt like the chimp chimp tree was like, hmm, you know, I don't know. Maybe that was just me being a impatient 15 year old or whatever. I don't well, know. If, but- we, if we remember, we should come back to that subject and talk about what we would have liked to have seen in these scenes. Ah, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah. But uh, let's uh, go through the tour and then see what we come up with at that point. But uh, from the rooftops of London, we're, we're led to the backside of trouble because we have entered the film noir world of gangster movies. And as we head through dirty back alleys and hear big city sounds, an animatronic of actor James Cagney emerges telling us he's been chasing a couple of thugs. And they suddenly appear and start to address our tour guide directly. So we are now becoming part of the scene that's unfolding around us. Our tour guide is coaxed to leave the vehicle by one of the animatronic gangsters, and suddenly the scene turns into a violent machine gun crossfire. One gangster appears and is revealed to be a live cast member himself who quickly commandeers the tour. And he starts, uh, during the shooting, He's, he decides to take over our vehicle so he can make his escape. And he forces his way on and leaves our tour guide behind in, in the crossfire. Uh, originally, this scene was plotted out as being much more violent with uh, people apparently even being shot and fake bleeding. Dude, do you know anything about that? I did not know that. Uh, I knew that it you know, obviously had gone through some tweaks, but I didn't know that they were going to do uh like have cast members get shot yeah. <laughs> i didn't know that but the gangster drives the tour vehicle into a scene from the old wild west movies while exclaiming where are we joyzy <laughs> the vehicle <laughs> vehicle then passes two additional iconic movie stars clint eastwood as the man with no name on the right and the legendary john wayne on the left who speaks a few lines as we pass uh the the interesting thing about some of these uh, audio animatronics is that the family members of these actors actually loaned pieces of clothing uh, uh, for I, I believe it was for James Cagney and for um, John Wayne originally uh, they were wearing something on them that actually belonged to the actor they were representing now the gangster who hijacked our vehicle turns to us and starts asking us for our valuables. He, he decides to start to mug us. I remember thinking this was kind of weird. I was, I was like reaching for my wallet because he, he was kind of, depending on who you got, they would, be, they would either be kind of um, uh, convincing or, or kidding around. Uh, the, that actor is suddenly sidetracked by sirens and police calls, so he decides to hit it. And uh, there is an interesting twist for Doc Wright that happens right at this point, because it starts to vary slightly depending on which ride vehicle that you happen to have entered. On the days where the parks were high attendance, um, when two ride vehicles were used at once, one of them 
would veer off from this point and continue into a western town which would be involved in another kind of shootout and become ablaze with fire uh, before it moved on to the next scene. The other vehicle, which is the one I think I was mostly on, uh, continues driving out of the underworld into the next sequence. Well, there was a time when the vehicles would split at the uh, at the gangster scene. Yes, and half of them would move forward, and they would they wouldn't see they would skip the gangster scene, just drive through it, and they would right. see the car and stuff. And they would stop at the the, the western show. And then the second car would stop at the gangster scene. So you would see the gangster scene with the with the car that pulls through the tunnel and the machine guns and stuff. And the first car would be the one that would see the 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 bank blow up with the dynamite and the fire and stuff. So, uh, but on they did that when it was high capacity and stuff. Yes. But when it was lower capacity, then they could use less cast members and. Uh, so in the the later years of the show or of the attraction, you almost never got to see the cowboy scene with the yeah. bank that catches on fire. So I don't know. I, I didn't see that for a long time because it was kind of underutilized unless it was super crowded. Uh, that, yeah, I that- never in the in the times that I've rode the ride, I never got to see the cowboy. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. It was actually pretty impressive, the fire that, I mean, it was the bank that was on the left-hand side. I mean, it would be engulfed in flames. It was it was a really impressive yeah, uh, I'm, I'm show element. I, well, I was disappointed because we wrote it a couple of times trying to see the other scene, and we just never got to see it. It was actually, in my opinion, it was the better of the two. I liked that one better. Yeah, it, was, it sounds more exciting. Yeah, it does. Now, now the gangster that we, if we stay on the on the vehicle, uh, actually they both start to lead into this particular area. The gangster decides to forge forward into a creepy space-aged area, uh, which is identified as the spaceship Nostromo from the movie Alien. It's it's the science fiction era now, and on the corner we we can spot uh, an audio animatronic version of Sigourney Weaver who's trembling and still standing there defiantly holding a flamethrower. And um, the ride vehicles passes her and starts to enter dark hallways of the Nostromo. When suddenly there's an alien who bursts out of the ceiling, grates that are above us, um, screaming and and then terrifying the unsuspecting passengers below. And I believe uh, originally this used to happen a couple of different times. I think by the end, I only remember seeing it once, but depending on where you were seated, you would see the alien come down once or twice. Yes, it would. um, And they had strobe lights. And in the early days of the, the attraction, when it operated as it was intended, there would be giant gusts of uh rolling smoke and steam yeah. or whatever and it like the the it was really cool effect because the strobe lights would flash and it would illuminate the the puffs of smoke like these big billowing smoke clouds and so the and then the alien would jump through the smoke and really kind of like uh come at you towards yes. the car so it was a really good effect like when there was a lot of smoke and the alien would just 
poke through the smoke and you didn't know what was going on. It was, it was a pretty cool effect. Eventually the, it, they stopped putting smoke in it and, you know, you know, do, how it, how is it, it just a, a fake memory or, or did at one point uh, he even let something drip out of him? Do you remember that at all? Um, that never actually happened. What you're thinking of is in the promotional videos, right? The videos. Or the for when it was going to open, when they were opening the attraction, you saw in the the Disney video or Disney like a commercial on TV or whatever yeah. that the alien would be dripping that goopy stuff. And we we've talked about it before, but uh, the. This that particular scene kind of calls back. That movie was owned by 20th Century Fox, not by Disney or MGM, and it was because Disney uh, Michael Eisner had gotten the rights because he wanted to do a ride based on the alien characters, which was going to be originally for the Magic Kingdom, which eventually turned into the uh, extraterrestrial. That's ride. correct. Um, the, the, this portion of the ride was actually kind of scary uh, and, and so much so that the ride announcement always reminded you to stay in the vehicle. And <laughs> I, I remember um, there was one time that I was riding through and there was a, a, a father with a little kid and a little kid started screaming his head off at, at the, just the darkness of the entire ride. And in all irony, when the alien came out, the father's like, look at the alien, look at the alien. Like that was going to help anything. but. <laughs> So after being terrified by those aliens, we find ourselves entering an Egyptian crypt. As we look to the right, we notice there is Indiana Jones and Sala, his assistant, excavating the Ark of the Covenant in the adventure movie classic Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as we ride past them, the vehicle enters a room with hieroglyphics and a huge glowing red jewel set in stone in, into a stone statue with a figure standing guard right behind it. And uh, the, the gangster that's riding with us becomes enticed by the allure of that jewel. And so he exits the vehicle and he climbs up to retrieve it. And he, only to be informed that there's a curse set on him. And just as he proceeds to steal it, he's gone in a puff of smoke. And in an exciting twist, the guard that was standing by reveals themselves to be our original tour guide who's come to our rescue. Movie magic. Movie magic. There you go. Now, our, our host now takes us into calmer areas by driving into a jungle scene, which is, of course, frequented by Tarzan and Cheetah and Jane. Tarzan swings by in a vine, giving out his famous Tarzan yell, and um, Jane uh, sitting on, a, on an elephant, if I remember correctly, sitting there going, Tarzan? Tarzan? <laughs> As we move on to another movie classic, Casablanca, and a vivid cre recreation of the famous Here's Looking at You scene, we witness Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman during their last goodbye with a ruddering plane waiting in the wings. And there's been some speculation as to whether this uh, rudder with the plane was a refurbished wing from the original film shoot or a uh, replication. We can't really pinned down as to what it is because some sources say it, it, it actually is a movie used props prop and other places say that it was just created for this but still it's an impressive and, and a moving scene 
and actually one of the few places you'll see a scene from Casablanca in color. We're then met by one of our favorite stars in one of his greatest roles, or so we're told. And of course, they mean the big cheese himself, Mickey Mouse, as he appears in a film sequence from Fantasia, whipping up a spell from the Sorcerer's Apprentice as a gentle breeze blows around us. Now, I found out an interesting tidbit while researching this story, which I'm sure Dewey you knew, and that's that the Fantasia bit was actually originally intended to be part of a three-scene Wizard of Oz sequence. The wind was supposed to simulate the tornado scene with the music and the scene whipping us off to Oz. And that was cut and replaced by an actual, well, actually just a projection of, of the Fantasia scene against the screen as the wind effects whip around us. Yes, I, I actually was aware of that. And I mean, it sounded cool, but uh, they went another direction. And well, the next sequence, though, was... Uh, pretty astounding to me and probably equal to the sensation that the original generation had to seeing the movie itself turn from black and white or sepia tone to color. And I'm talking about the scene in which we are in the wonderful Wizard of Oz film and find ourselves surrounded by colorful little houses and dozens of little people as we enter Munchkinland. As we enter? As we enter Munchkinland. We witnessed the scene in which the munchkins sing Ding Dong the Witch is Dead and the dozens of denizens of Oz begin popping up all around us in a merry celebration. And as in the film, the festivities are cut short by the sudden appearance of one of the greatest animatronic creations the Imagineers have ever put together, the Wicked Witch of the West. She scowls at us and moves as realistically as possible and accuses the tour of killing her sister and then threatens us with her infamous and your little dog too speech before zapping away into a majestic puff of smoke just as she did in the famous movie scene. And uh, that scene is just so incredible that we just have to stop and talk about that for a minute. Fine, fine, fine. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you my pretty and your little dog. I tell you, that was uh, the whole scene was awesome. I mean, you were surrounded by the the village or whatever you want to call it for Munchkinland, and uh, I, I I it was different every time you went on it because I would try and find a new Munchkin that popped its head out of a yeah. window or something, and it seemed like every time you every time you wrote it, you would see something different that you never saw before, and then that that. Um, animatronic of the wicked witch man that thing was as realistic as anything i'd ever seen that was pretty uh pretty real i mean very fluid and you know because like if you and look i love carousel of progress don't get me wrong love it but <laughs> uh the the when the dad is used, holding the fan when he's uh, like, like the 1920s or whatever, he's like, eh, eh, you know, like very <laughs> robotic, you know what I mean? And that Wicked Witch is not robotic. That thing is, you know, flailing her hands around and she's pointing at you. And I mean, really, really awesome stuff. And probably not another, not a better animatronic existed until they put Hondo into uh smugglers run that one is pretty realistic as well but that wicked witch uh that thing was awesome i'm sure it scared little kids because it was so realistic really well done but that whole scene was fantastic 
It was. It really, that's one scene where you really felt as if you were in the middle of a movie because it literally surrounded you on both sides as well. Yep, absolutely. Immersed. It definitely, that's definitely the definition of immersion. The, those munchkins that do surround us suggest that we follow the yellow brick road to safety and in order to move on to the next scene and sing us out. So we're, we're barely out of the room when we catch an extended glimpse of a lifelike vision, Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tin Man, Lion, and Toto, as they escape the poppy field and head toward the Emerald City in the distance, uh, which is another beautiful tableau, which is pulled right out of the movie and presented right in front of you. At this point, both of the ride vehicles meet up as they pull into this large room, which faces large movie screen, as our tour comes to an end. But not before we watch a masterful montage of classic movie moments play out in front of us on the big screen. And I have to say that every time I would, I would watch this film clip, I wanted to run home and watch every single one of those movies. It was ridiculous because some of those are not the kind of movies I'd necessarily want to see. But um, because they were presented in this fashion, I just wanted to, I wanted to see everything. So with that, we are out and the great movie ride is over. However, it should be noted that when it was originally conceptualized, there was going to be an alternate purpose for this large, dark room. And do you know what that is? I don't think I know. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Originally, they had planned that the grand finale of the show was going to, you're going to be led into this big room and there were going to be life-size animatronic performers from the silver screen surrounding you. So that everyone from Charlie Chaplin to even C-3PO and R2-D2 were going to be seen in audio animatronic form taking a bow as we rode out. And that would have been quite that a grand finale. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been amazing. That's a much better ending than just a montage of movie clips. Yeah, here's a movie, now get out. <laughs> <laughs> This was a one-of-a-kind attraction filled with uh, immersion and memorable sequences, music, and amazing audiomatronic. It was definitely one of my favorite rides of all time. And uh, even just going back through some of this just brought back the memories of how many times I rode it, and I would never miss it every time I went to, uh, to the Disney MGM Studios, which... It, 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 even though it's, it's not called that anymore, it'll always be fondly remembered as part of what that park symbolized. Absolutely. I still refer to it as MGM. And, you know, I mean, it, it's been Hollywood Studios since 2008, and I still call it MGM. So <laughs> I, it's, I guess it's been Hollywood Studios longer than it was uh, MGM. I don't know. I'm not good at math, uh, but it's now, pretty close. Point. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I, it's, I, I'm an old guy, I'm stuck in my ways and, you know, I, I guess I'm just, uh, grumpy that way, but I still call it MGM and I definitely missed the great movie ride. It was fantastic when it was still there. I didn't miss it. We wrote it at least once every trip. Yeah. And I, I feel bad for anyone who didn't get to experience it. In fact, they, they tried several attempts to recreate this in different in their different parts around the world and they just weren't able to do it for some reason um but um there were plans at one point to even refurbish it with some kind of 3d version of the movies or um to somehow 
add to it or, or do it. And, and since we're always talking about refurbishing, if we were to refurbish this ride to make it more modern, to take it out of, I mean, a lot of those movies are so archaic. I don't even think today's audiences are familiar with it. I mean, by the time that this ride opened, I don't think any of the three of us were familiar with Footlight Parade. So any of those, and that was only 50 years prior to the, to the ride opening. So if we go back 50 years, uh, we're thinking about movies that these kids today probably have no idea. Tarzan? I mean, how many of them know that there was an original Tarzan back in the 30s and 40s? You know, So if, if you guys had, my question was going to be put out to you guys, that if you had the opportunity to put in a, uh, a different scene from an existing movie that's in there, or add a movie that you think has become a classic worthy of being in there, what would that be? Because if you think about it, there've been so many classics that have happened over the past 30 years that that ride has existed. Um, Everything from even including the Marvel movies at this point, um, there's been so many moments that could have been captured in that ride. I mean, look, they've been making movies since eight the late 1800s you know with silent films mm-hmm. and stuff and so uh, over a hundred years of movies come on there it's not like you run out of ideas you yeah. know there was absolutely positively zero reason to get rid of this and 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 put in the the railway and i haven't done the railway yet i hear it's pretty cool and all that and that's great but why do we these joints are packed they're crowded all the time the way you fix that is more attractions like it's, it's not rocket science so build another building somewhere there's plenty of room and put Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway over there. And then when that's open, now you can close great movie ride and change some of the scenes and nobody knows footlight parade. Okay, fine. Get rid of it and put something else in there. You know, I have no problem with that, Uh, but I mean, come on. There's thousands and thousands of movies. What what kind of movies would you have put in there? You guys, what what would you, what scene from a movie do you think deserved to be in that, in that ride? Well, I mean, just think about right now you said Marvel, but think about what Disney owns. Yeah. Disney's movies that. Yeah. They own everything. They own what what it was, what touchstone pictures or whatever. So they have all those rights. Now they own Marvel. They own 20th century Fox. Dude, I don't even know what movies those are. You know what I mean? Like, there's just an endless, endless possibilities. So if you, but if you had a, if, if you had, if you could think of a scene, like you were mentioning before, that uh, that scene from Mary Poppins was not your favorite. What would you, what would uh, you have preferred? Well, I, Mary Poppins being there is great. I'd leave it, but wouldn't it have been cool to have uh, floating carousels? Like you know, the carousel horses when they're when they go into the cart. I can't remember what it's called, but when they go into the cartoon land with the penguins and stuff, yeah. have those floating carousel horses with Bert and Mary like on those, or and I don't know, you know, I'm not an Imagineer, uh, but something like Chim Chim Tree is it's a it's a great song, and Sherman Brothers are awesome. I love them, 
but I just feel like it could have been more peppy. It could have been more fun than, you know, it's like, oh, Mary sounds sad. She <laughs> sings Chim Chim Cheree, you know, just, I don't know. But goodness gracious, there could have been a thousand different movies that they could have put in there. Absolutely. And especially now, like I said, with having, I mean, in 2015, they did, they owned the Muppets. I can't remember. I think 2015 is the year they bought this uh, uh, Lucasfilm, isn't it? Was it yes, 2012? Uh, 2012, 2012. They bought oh, so they already owned Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Or, or they owned Indiana Jones. So, you know, goodness gracious. I don't know what particular, if I, well, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like for instance, I think, I mean, obviously the Star Wars presence is, is very strong there. So they don't need anything else really to enhance that. But if they were going to add another scene, something from the Empire Strikes Back, Luke and Vader on the on the gantry with uh, the I am your father scene or something like that. An Absolutely. iconic moment. Too much. Too much. You guys always want Star Wars. No, on no, I'm, I'm about to switch. I'm about to switch. I was about to say, or even if they go into Disney's um, own canon, I mean, you can see the Lion King on his majestic Pride Rock. You know, right? Why don't some... they have? I can't believe they don't have, or didn't have, some of their iconic, Im- uh, animated movies. Well, I think they they kind of feel that they probably felt that the in Fantasyland you get that kind of um, experience anyway, because we've sort of been riding through the movies since the opening of the park with uh, with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and yeah. and uh, some of those other early attractions. That's that was their kind of early way of writing us through the the animated sure. movies, and um, and now they've sort of expanded this concept of of writing through the movies into everything that they do now. Because if you think about it, Snow White's uh, uh, mind train is riding through a scene. Um, the new rides over at Galaxy's Edge, riding through a scene. The Mickey and Minnie is riding through scenes from a movie. If, if, and yeah, but Galaxy, for the, I'm talking about for that ride, which for was, this particular ride, yeah, they didn't really include that, and now they're overcompensating. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But if you, if you were to ask me what scene needs to be in that, yes, in that I Top Gun has to be in there. Top Gun, Ron. Oh my gosh, dude, you. That is so awesome. I swear in my like 15 seconds ago, I was like, I would like to see the the from Top Gun when they're like, I feel the need for speed and they do yeah. that high five or something. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely Top Gun. I can't believe we were both thinking that. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's just a classic from our era that and, and if they would please, if anybody's listening. Release the movie already. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it is. I think it's in May now if they don't push it again. There's also um, uh, another fun scene that, I, that you just made me think about. Something from Greece. You know? Oh, absolutely. If we go back 50 years now and, and think back at, at some of the movies that, that were that made an impact that we consider to be classics or even Saturday Night Fever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like John Travolta yeah. on animatronic doing this thing, right? We're in the seventies with uh, John Travolta. Or even give some shout out to all those teen movies that were created in um, the eighties, sixties, candles, breakfast club. I mean, Oh, the Brad pack. That'd be cool. 
you've got was, so much to do that you, that would have been a good go, way of doing it they're presenting yeah. 100 years of movies and going through each era instead yeah. of um because this the way they did it was sort of you know, we're just going to throw you into the 30s even though it's not where the movie started <laughs> and then from there we're going to go to the 60s and the 50s so they kind of went all over the place it yeah, would probably make more sense to take a journey through the uh, the uh, era the 100 years or so of movie making yeah, they were more by genre. They talked yeah. about horror and 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 that kind of stuff. So I always thought they could have done a better job with the horror part too. They could have had a, a Dracula or a, like a life-size Frankenstein. Or I was something. about to say, I read somewhere that they were actually planning on doing things like uh, including characters from Ghostbusters and Freddy Krueger and things like that, but they weren't able to get the rights to Bill Murray's appearance, which is the reason they didn't do the Ghostbusters scene in any way. Universal beat them by including that in their, in their part. Yeah. But um, it, it all obviously has to do with rights as well. But anyway, this, this ride was always a favorite of mine and, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun to share memories of, of what it was like to write it. Absolutely. I, I it was great, man. I absolutely, uh, we didn't miss it every single time we walked into uh, the studios and MGM, we, we would ride it. And, you know, I mean, in the, the later years, it was usually like a 15 or 20 minute wait. So it wasn't, wasn't that bad, but I was very sad to see it go. And I actually have one of the, um, the farewell tour shirts, the great movie ride shirt. Oh, I nice. actually have one of those. I, I didn't even think about wearing it today. I forgot what, uh, forgot what topic we were doing. Cause you wrote this one, Tony, I should have worn it. Darn it. But uh, yeah, I had oh, that. So, hmm? nice job. I know, <laughs> I know. I I failed you. But I said we uh, get Razorbacks. <laughs> yeah, Dewey's wearing okay. his Razorback uh, uh, sweatshirt. For those of you who don't, uh, who can't see the video. But oh, I will suggest, um, if I do put a video of this up, you can check our video, our YouTube channel. I will include clips from uh, the um, the ride so that we can experience some of that again. Well, that'll be fun. Absolutely. Good stuff. Love that. Miss it. All right. Awesome, Tony. Thanks for taking us on that uh, that detailed walkthrough tour of uh, our memories of the great movie ride. Uh, bring it back. I wish it would bring it back. I'm, I don't know. Mickey's Runaway Railway. I hear it's great, but I don't like the animation style. That's something else. I, I, to well, me, that's what I was going to Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to be a hater, but it doesn't look like Mickey and Minnie. It looks like an, like anime or something. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't even really look like them. But yeah, I, that that was the part that I really wish they would come back to some of the more traditional look because that was the part that I didn't enjoy. And maybe I'm just joining you in the grumpy old man part, but. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't look like Mickey and Minnie to me. And and though the technology and the experience of the ride is is you should you should go check it out if you have it. It's definitely fun um, and enjoyable. But that's the only critique I would say is that they. I wish they would have stuck with some of the traditional characters. Ron, I have two questions for you regarding the ride. One of them, actually, I don't know if you guys have noticed, uh, that seems to be the kind of um, art style that the kids today like. I've noticed that other characters like things like Scooby-Doo and, 
and um, characters from other uh, companies are all all have that weird, cheap looking animation look to them nowadays. Mm -hmm. I guess kids love that. Uh, they must respond to that a lot. Yeah, I think it's because what Dewey alluded to is anime is such a culture for this younger generation that that the that companies are uh, kind of turning that way because it is so um, accepted. And, and it's funny that it's supposed to be cutting boy. edge, but it's actually, to me, it looks kind of cheap. I, it, I prefer, it looks very cheap to me. I like the, the the classic look of Nikki, like the one you have behind you on your on your screensaver mm -hmm. there. But uh, one quick question for you, Ron, regarding this uh, the ride that replaced the great movie ride is I've watched it on video, and I know that being there is always different than watching something on video. But I, I've heard a lot of people say that it's something that you kind of have to experience because the video doesn't quite capture what it feels like. Yeah, I would. I mean, I've not watched a video, but I can't imagine a video experience being anything like the experience that you have on the ride. And the primary reason is because it's a video that you're watching mm -hmm. and movement of a car. So if you're only seeing the video portion of the ride, you're not experiencing the, the, the true effects that you experience. And, and when I say that there's, they've definitely use a 4d experience. So okay. you're experiencing with your eyes, you're experiencing with your feelings, you're experiencing movement. So, I mean, you're, you're immersed into this experience. Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing it. It's just that, um, it, it just and, and the technology to me also is and and i think we only because we were on a short time frame mm -hmm. which unfortunately seems to be our story when we're at disney but um we didn't get to ride it multiple times so you're it's a lot to take in all at one time so um how the cars move and stuff though are very it, it's a lot like um when you're on tower of terror and you're going through the scenes it's it's that type of car movement that you're experiencing and and um you you, you just get thrown around and not thrown in a jerky way it's very smooth you get a sense of what it used to be at all? Do you get a sense of, of the great no, movie, right? No. And what about, did they keep the interior of the Grumman's Chinese Theater, or, or does it does it start? You know, I'm, I wish I, I don't remember. I, I see that the queue now seems to be all extended outside, so they might have just. Yeah, you know, it. and that, that's a good point. We, we did that, you don't go inside until the very end. Oh, okay. And, and. So they use, utilize the entire space. You know, though, I take that that may not be a true picture either because all the cues were different mm -hmm. due to being there during COVID. And so okay. even like when we rode Tower of Terror, you know how you normally go and wind inside? Yeah. You stayed outside and were, they made it very one lane and you kept, so far apart that you didn't experience really the any of the cues. So again, some of that dizziness 
that you look forward to was missed when we were there the last time. So I'm not sure that the queue that we all that to say, I'm not sure the queue that we went through was really the queue that you would go to during normal operations. Okay. Do they keep the, um, have they, I'm trying to remember because I knew we walked really quickly past it because most of our time was spent at galaxy's edge when we were there, but did they keep the, the cement with the, with the, I believe uh, they did. They did. I remember seeing it. Seems like yeah, I'm almost positive. I think the outdoor portion is the same. Um, I remember uh, hearing people complain about um, the the queue specifically about Mickey's Runaway Railway because it was freshly painted. It all looked new and nice and pretty because it's a brand new attraction. But people being, you know, horrible people that they are have been coming through and like peeling the paint off of the walls in the queue. So you can actually go and and read about that online. Disney is a couple of times had already, it's only been open, what, two years, has already more than once had to repair the paint in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Well. Say that five times fast. (laughs) The Runaway Railway queue, they've had to replace it a couple of times because and I don't mean like somebody just scratched off a couple of little flex. I'm talking big, like gigantic areas, just ripping paint off of the wall. That's walls. crazy. Why? Yes. Yes. It, I don't know. I mean, because because humans are yeah. humans. But it's it was talked about. I don't. It's probably been a year or so since I heard about it. Um, but there definitely have been talk about the way people have just abused that cue. So it is, it's definitely different than it was when it was the great movie ride, because it's all painted walls and less of the, you know, it was like velvet drapes and all that stuff. When it was the great movie ride Uh, it's, it's painted walls and jerks have been ripping the paint off the walls. So, yeah. And again, I, I wish I, we were, I don't remember the detail of the queue other than we stood outside and yeah. they had umbrellas every so often and people would <laughs> would wait until they could jump to the next umbrella. It was so warm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was an interesting time. But um, so we, uh, the queue was definitely outside. We did not go in. And if we went through the queue at all, it was just, very short because they were keeping people outside as much as possible. Yeah. Do you, you just reminded me, did you guys, do you guys remember when they, I I mentioned earlier that that when the park first opened and for several years you would walk in and you'd see the Chinese theater at the end of, um, of Hollywood Boulevard there and and be immersed into the world of Hollywood. But obviously you, you guys remember when that view was obscured by a gigantic magic hat. That yes, to be right there. That's what that's what I saw the first time I ever walked in to the studios. And I'll be I mean, you guys are gonna think I'm crazy because you're you're traditionalist, but I missed that hat. I thought that to me, that was the icon for studios for me because that's what I experienced. Uh you may be surprised, Ron. I actually didn't hate the the big sorcerer hat either. I liked it. Um 
It was that was for the 100 year celebration. It was it was put oh, up for okay. uh, for Walt's 100th birthday, right? And like like Epcot was the host uh, park for the Millennium Celebration. Uh, the uh, the studios was the host park for the 100 year celebration, and that that you know they had the um, the 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 big sorcerer hat there to celebrate that. And, but I liked it. And, and listen, I like the uh, Earful Tower and I like the Sorcerer's Hat. And to me, Tower of Terror just isn't the park icon. I just, I, I think it's lazy. They're like, hey, that building's kind of big. We'll just call that the <laughs> icon. Like, no, that's, that's we, not, we still have to do a icon. show about the icons themselves. But yes. I, I agree with you. The Earful Tower for me is still the icon for that, Absolutely. that area. But um, it, the, uh, you just reminded me also that aside from that sorcerer's hat, that it's almost like they wanted to keep covering up the fact that they put the Chinese theater there. Because if you remember, once they took that out, they'd put up a screen where they would have the, uh, the Star Wars Back Galactic something or another oh. there or, or some kind of show that took place that would sort of cover still the area. They also did High School Musical. There. High School Musical, yeah. Oh gosh! Don't even get me started on High School Musical Parade. I know we've I know we've talked about that on this show before. That, that parade happened every forty two seconds. Like, I'm telling you, it, it would end and then it started smart. again. I, I've never even seen this movie, but I still remember we're all in this together. Oh my gosh! Don't get me started on that parade. Oh goodness gracious! It went. It, you're, it definitely felt that way. It did, For you, sure. you missed that parade when you were at studios. You, you, you had to really work to miss it because. Oh yeah, <laughs> you had to. Yeah, you had to be. Uh, you had to be at Magic Kingdom to miss yeah. the. <laughs> <that parade>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. That was awesome. We got into some pretty good discussion there. Uh, there at the end, so. Nice work, Tony. Appreciate you taking us through those memories of the great movie ride. All right, so let's switch gears over to the second segment of our show. This is a little something we call What's Happening Now in Walt Disney World. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing you guys heard about this. Um, kind of big news in the last week or so. Uh, this week, Disney Vacation Club announced new villas will be coming to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort not projected to open until late 2024, but uh, they are coming. Uh, they are inspired, uh, at least by what Disney's uh, website says, they're inspired by early concepts for Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, and um, they're going to sit on the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon. In addition to more rooms, there's going to be new recreation offerings and, of course, dining options. So uh, what do you guys think? Have you guys seen the new artist renderings of what the new uh, Polynesian, it's like a tower, I guess, kind of a pretty tall building, the Polynesian Village That's, Resort DVC. Have y'all seen this? That seems to be their new design for most of the DVC things is this tower looking building, which they've got uh, taking over. Um, I, I kind of prefer the old style again, just being curmudgeon but um as long as it's a place that you can go to and stay and hopefully afford, I, I'm looking forward to it. But look, um, see much uh, else. 
I, I, I'm not, I hate to be the naysayer and I hate to be negative, you know, Nancy all the time, but I, I just don't feel the imagination. Yeah. I don't feel like, have you noticed that most of the rooms have been done over and all of them kind of look the same now? Very generic. Like over mm -hmm. at the contemporary, all the rooms are this abstract Incredibles theme, which is great. I love the Incredibles, but it doesn't even look like the Incredibles. You know, it's, it's like a, in my opinion, a cheap overlay. But now is this the artist's rendering that I saw for the Polynesian, the new DVC? It's pretty. It's it's attractive. It would look beautiful in any major city in the country. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't look Polynesian. It doesn't look like the longhouses. It doesn't have the orange roof and the, the tiki style and all that stuff. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. When I see it, you know what it looks like? Do you remember a year ago or two years ago or whatever uh, when they announced the, what was it called? It was the the Reflections, a lakeside lodge. You remember that? It was going to be over by the Wilderness Lodge? No. Seriously. Well, I'm telling you now. Google they just it. moved it? That's all they did. Google it, look it up, put the pictures of the artist's rendering of Reflections, a lakeside lodge, put that right beside the picture of the new Polynesian DVC <laughs> and tell me you can see a difference. Well, also yeah, but, but here's the thing, Dewey, and, and, and I'm with you 100% on your opinions. I am. So let's take Disney love out of the equation, though, and then it comes down to business decisions. So if you have... A rendering that you've already paid, which you pay big dollars for those renderings to an architect. If you already have that and you already have plans, the business decision, and, and you've already said it, the, the Disney is not about imagining at this point. They're not about doing what, what Disney would have done. Because Disney, while Disney was definitely about the the dollar uh, you don't go into business just to make people happy but but i do believe disney did it to make to, that one of his objectives was to make people happy and to provide entertainment that would be family friendly and and all the all the things we think disney right but i'm not sure disney has a, that objective as number one anymore i think the bottom dollar is the objective and everything that we, how do you make more money? You, you replace a, a ride, but continue to entice crowds and have less people that you have to employ, which brings your dollar up even more when you get more people coming into the park. So they're not interested in, in creating a, a less crowded park. They're interested in getting as many people in that park that they can get more dollar and less provision. So yes, I hear you. Yes, I agree with you. But from a business perspective, that's where they're at, unfortunately. Did you have a, you want to pipe in there too, Tony? What's your, uh, what's your take? No, I was just going to say that the design also, I was just looking, taking a look at that as well. The design is reminiscent of Aulani. Um, what the Alani resort, resort seems to appear like. And this is making me think back, Ron, almost with what you just said about the design. Uh, who's designing this? Mike Brady? I mean, is he, you remember? 
in the movie where he's he designs the same exact structure every time he literally so. oh man that's hilarious and all, um, it um, looks like the the brady house right right yeah everything looks like brady house so in this case everything looks like uh, this the same structure because even the uh, the grand destino it it looks impressive on the inside and everything but even that looks kind of out of place in the caribbean village that it's in so I think this is their new thing. Even the ones right by the contemporary, those are not contemporary looking buildings. Those are just you generic. You mean the great big circle tower? Yeah. That doesn't look contemporary? <laughs> exactly. Are you sure? Well, I think the only way that it looks contemporary, which is, I, I've seen a lot of reports of this coming up online, is that the world is kind of becoming very generic. That it's difficult to tell one town from another. It used to be you'd go to a big city like, like let's say New York, for the unique experience of the tall buildings and and the the um, the arts and the and the way it used to be. Now you can go to downtown Orlando and see the same exact thing. You know, giant buildings, art center, and everything that that there used to be. So it, it it's almost like the world itself is becoming generic. And you know what? That's not necessarily new. I mean, that, but Disney wasn't. Yes. Disney wasn't generic. It was about recreating the, the feeling. If you're going to go to the Polynesian Village, you're going there because you want to know what it would be like to stay in the Polynesian Village. I hate to say it, in the 60s and 70s when this was conceptualized. And I'd rather that it stays that way. Or even, even the, uh, the African Village that's represented in Animal Kingdom, I'd rather it be the African village from 20 years ago rather than what it would be now. I mean, what's going to happen in another 20 years? Are they going to build another one of these structures in Animal Kingdom and say, oh, this is representing, you know, modern day Africa? Right. Which you could just go there if you want to stay there. Yeah, I don't know. Look, again, I'm not being all not trying to always be the negative and I'm uh you know and it's pretty the 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 artist rendering looks pretty and whoever drew it is a gifted artist or architect Mike or Brady designer yeah nice job Mike Brady but it's just <laughs> not it's I, maybe it's we're holding Disney to a long ago uh standard it's it's long long gone but that's my, what my my hope is that it's not long gone that it's just asleep for a minute until we get a new person in there that that will come bring the dream back and 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 the the imaginary imagineering to return well think about it this way though ron almost with what you said about making money that's absolutely true and every time they do try to do something kind of different, they always get some kind of backlash for it. Look what's happened with the, with the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Everybody's harping on the fact that it is um, overly expensive and this and that and the other thing, but it's a unique looking exper- uh, experience and a unique looking room and a unique looking place, something different outside of the ordinary. Well, and that's a, I think you bring up a really excellent point that um our society has changed Mm -hmm. and what used to be when you had a good ideal people would embrace it and if they didn't embrace it they would just say yeah it's not for me go right you don't get that today it's immediate backlash it's very opinionated and very if it's not for me it's not for anybody Mm -hmm. attitude right yeah that's true 
Yeah, but at the same time, companies like Disney, you know, back in the day, if something didn't work, then they they would change it to make the people happy. And they don't do that anymore. Now they're like, this is what you get. (laughs) And we know you're going to come. We know you're going to spend your money. We don't care if you complain. You're coming anyway. That's their perspective. They're like, hey, you guess what, Bob? You don't come. You know, Andy over here is coming. Don't care. We'll get his money. We don't need your money. Someone else is going to spend their money. And they don't care what we want. They don't. They don't care. Well, I, I just hope that that doesn't start emulating down to the park level with customer service and how they take care of you when you are visiting. Because at some point, you can only cut so much and stop caring so much before it does start hitting your bottom line. And I don't think I don't think it will though, because you know who's in the minority is us, the people that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years and remember the good old days we're the minority the majority of the people spending the money now are the ones that have been going for five years or whatever and this is the norm and they don't know what it was they don't know what they're missing because they know that uh, they don't know how great maelstrom was they know that oh good frozen's here and they don't know how good Universal Energy was. Now they're like, oh, good. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. And it makes no sense in Epcot, but we don't care. We that that's who it is interesting that you say that. My niece is literally, they were here last night. They're making their way down to Orlando right now to spend a week at Disney. And she was telling me some of their plans. And they're on their agenda. The first thing they're staying at the uh, animation. Um um, Part of animation. Yeah. And um, their their plan is to get on the skyline over to Epcot and make their quickest trip to Remy's as fast as they can get there so they can ride Remy's. Hmm. And, you know, I'm okay with that because guess what? They added Remy, the Ratatouille ride or whatever it's called. <laughs> they added it. They mm-hmm. didn't remove something sure. fantastic, yeah. you know? Like you want to shoehorn frozen Arendelle into Norway? Fine, go ahead, but leave Norway. Like this is the world showcase. This isn't the fake places in the planet that Disney made up showcase. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Arendelle's not a place. That's there was not plenty real. of there was plenty of room too by the Norway pavilion. Yes, that, yes. So refurbish, not replace, you know, throw shoehorn in. Hey, look, there's Maelstrom. And when you get off Maelstrom, you can walk across the street and go to the Frozen Adventure. Great. Or put it in place of that movie that used to be there. (laughs) Sure. I don't care. But yeah, I'm going to get off my grumpy man soapbox. We've got to change the name of the show to the grumpy WWW. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> get out of that's, my theme park. That's me. Sorry. You need a grumpy t-shirt today is what you need. Dude. <laughs> uh, if I wore a shirt that said grumpy every time I was grumpy, I would just never, I would need seven of them so I could wear one every day. 
Oh my goodness. All right. Well, that's it for what's happening now in Walt Disney World. You guys good? Did you did you I, I feel like I got out all my frustrations. I don't know. You guys wanna <laughs> do you need to <laughs> vent a little more? Or are we good? Yeah. All right. We could talk about the cost to go to Disney, but let's not. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ron, Ron, you're you're just baiting me. <laughs> you're you're like you're like poking the bear. Like, let's watch, let's watch Dewey get mad. Yeah, the one person that doesn't even have to worry about costs is gonna oh, be no, there we go again. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> you shush, Ron. I can't wait for you to be down there. Me too. So I can <laughs> Take pictures of myself in the in the in the parks and send them to you every single day. <laughs> I know that will happen to reality. <laughs> three years, Ron. Three years. Three years. All right. So that's it for what's happening now in Walt Disney World. Let's go ahead and hop on over to segment number three. There's a little something we like to call "What's Your Favorite." Each week, one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of recording, and they must answer the question on the spot. This week, Ron is taking the wheel of the USS What's Your Favorite? So, Ron, what you got? What is the question for What's Your Favorite? So, I'm I'm a little perplexed because I've got it, but I'm now that I'm looking at it, I'm... I'm hoping that we've not had this question before. So if we have, we'll cut and re-record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if we're watching the video and it's inexplicably we're wearing different clothes, it's yeah. because uh, <laughs> we had to come up with a new question. We'll see. All right, let's hope so it's a rerun. Yeah, we may be doing a rerun. Um, so we're going to stay in studios. And the question is, if you're going to take a day that you just have one hour to run in and run out and you can only choose one ride to ride at Disney's studios would it be one Tower of Terror two Rock and Roller Coaster or three Star Tours I was going to put the new Star Wars um, rides but decided that that would be a given so those are off the off the chosen list uh well uh, i actually i don't think it would be a given because really? uh well let me tell you my answer first and then i'll tell you why it's maybe not a given um i'm going easy not even a, not even a tough decision i'm going tower of terror i think uh tower of first of all tower of terror is my favorite since World of Motion is gone and Horizons is gone, um, Tower of Terror is actually my favorite attraction in all of Walt Disney World. Uh, now, granted, I haven't been on Rise of the Resistance yet. Maybe that'll change. But I love the Tower of Terror. The, the theming is excellent. The outside of the, the, the queue outside is awesome. You walk through the little jungle there. It's awesome. The, the building is, you know, Look. Iconic. Yeah. It's iconic. No, it's not the icon. <laughs> Ron, you do that on purpose. Um, and then you get inside and it's all dusty. And I mean, holy smokes, it's just fantastic. And then the ride itself, 
since they added the multiple random drops thing, it's different every time you ride it. I absolutely positively love the Tower of Terror. So that is my answer for, for what's your favorite. If I was doing one hour in the studios and I could only do one attraction, it would be Tower of Terror. But uh, you said that you left out the newer Star Wars rides in Galaxy's Edge because you think that those would be a given. Uh, one, I haven't, still haven't been on Rise of the Resistance and I haven't watched a video of it and I won't. So I, I can't have an opinion on that. But I have been on Smuggler's Run and I mean, it's cool. I like it. It's really cool to be inside the Millennium Falcon. The queue is better than the ride, honestly. Getting to sit at the, the hollow chess table and everything before you get on the ride, that's better than the actual attraction. Um, I actually like original, like the Star Tours better than I like Smuggler's Run. Oh, wow. So if I had to choose between Star Wars and Smugglers or Star Tours and Smugglers Run, it would be it'd be Star Tours. So um, I, I wouldn't pick Smugglers Run over Tower of Terror. So maybe you're 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 oh, that's just fair. You I, think because I would have thought anything Star Wars. I honestly thought, even though now that you said, I I knew that you love Tower of Terror, and that. I just forgot how much <laughs> love that ride. We so, rode that together, haven't we, Ron? Oh yeah, we've rode we it. Before, yeah, yeah, I thought so. And you showed me some really cool um, things to look for on that ride that most people don't. Oh, know. like details and stuff. Yeah, details. Yes, I'm a wonderful tour guide. I'm a wonderful tour guide. Oh, you are. I agree <laughs> with that statement. Even though you would never give me that type of compliment, I will extend that compliment to you. Ron, look, I'm not a monster. As soon as you do something worthy of a compliment, I will be happy to give you one. Hey, Tony, uh, <laughs> we've lost, we've lost Dewey. We've lost Dewey. What's what's your answer, Tony? Yeah, so right on over to Tony. Uh, my, my answer is obvious, but not for the reasons that you would necessarily think. Uh, I've actually done this. I actually, I, I've mentioned on the show before. That might be what you're thinking about. Where I only had. I, in that case, it was two hours before the park closed, and I was there with my family, and it, we had gotten there delayed. We were intending on spending the day at the park, but we didn't get a chance to, and, and it was when the new Star Tours had been in effect for about three years, and I hadn't gotten a chance to ride it. So it was, it was in 2013. Thankfully, I did this because it was the last time I was going to visit the parks for another seven years, but excuse me, within an hour or two to go before the park closed, I made my way all the way up over to Disney Studios by myself, actually, at that particular moment. It was a, a dark, stormy, rainy night. I got completely sogged doing it, but I had to ride Star Tours because I had, hadn't seen the new version. And being that I've only been on this new version a handful of times, I would definitely go again to see the new version um, uh, by myself or with anybody um, within that hour. And I'd go multiple times if I could within that hour because it's always a, a different experience. Awesome. I do remember that story. And um, so that's that's cool. What about you, Ron? What's your answer? It, it's So it's a little tougher for me. Um, 
but I would too go with Tower of Terror. I think um, I just have really grown to enjoy that ride. Um, and I've got to enjoy it with my daughter who wouldn't go on those rides for a bit. And so we've got a really good picture of her scared face and just a lot of memories. We've got to ride it with you, Dewey. Um, and it's just, um, it's just, um, it's a classic ride. I, and Traditionally, I don't like falling rides because most of them, your feet are hanging and I just, and you're more open air than you are in the Tower of Terror. And the Tower of Terror gives you that open air by opening the doors just enough. I don't want any more than that. So it's designed for me. Um, so I really like it. I, I, you know, it's funny you say that, Ron. You talked about the, the memories of doing it with your daughter and that was really special and somehow riding it with me came second to riding with your daughter. I don't know how that's possible, but <laughs> I love the, um, I like that aspect of it because in, so that makes me think of a memory of tower of terror. See, my mom is a gigantic scaredy cat. Uh, she, she is not adventurous when it comes to amusement park rides and things like that. And but this has been my favorite ride since it opened in the early 90s. And I tried for years and years and years to get my mom on this ride. I'm like, you got to see it. The special effects are amazing. And you can barely tell you're falling. (laughs) (laughs) And and I don't normally buy the the pictures of, uh, you know, attraction photos. But, dude, I bought the one when I finally got my mom on that ride. Let me tell you something. Uh, by the way, I uh, love your mom. Uh, <laughs> you could look in, at her face in this picture, and it looks like it is the worst 15 seconds of her entire life. It's so, it was so funny, man. Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. And so, like, I'm there, and I'm like, yeah and all excited and she's there and it's just like sheer terror and like ah it's it's just like one of the best pictures ever so yeah that's awesome i love that i love tower terror and i love making my mom um uncomfortable that's funny it reminds me of a story my aunt and we were at um at an amusement park that no longer exists in nashville tennessee upper land and they had um, one of the river rides brand new for, cause this was well, what 30, maybe 35, 40 years ago. So it was one of the first ones and we had convinced every, all of the adults, Oh, you don't get wet. You don't get wet. We promise you don't get wet. <laughs> and you know, all those rides, one person just absolutely gets drenched and I mean, they had warning signs the whole way. You will get wet. You will get wet. And we're like, oh, just, that's just theming. You won't you, ignore it. And my aunt that really did not want to go finally went. And I'm telling you, I wish we back then you didn't have any way to capture pictures and stuff. But um, I mean, you had cameras, but they were much more sensitive than anyway. Uh and that water came over her head and she just was soaked from top to bottom. It was so funny. Anyway, it just reminded me that I was able to talk somebody into a ride that they shouldn't have been able to talk on to. 
Good times. Good times. All right. Good question, Ron. Thank you. That, uh, that does it for this week's What's Your Favorite? And that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. Please find and follow us on all our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast and on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on most podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple and on Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for chip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back and listening to the show because we truly appreciate you. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon.